Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the uh, Kalamcast podcast. So, uh, just for the benefit of our listeners, can you introduce yourselves? Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. My name is Mustafa Faoud. Um, I am the uh, chair of the building subcommittee of Preston Mosque and also the uh, founder and director of the Islamic Museum of Australia. That's a pretty good resume that you've just introduced yourself with. I feel very tempted to ask you questions about the Islamic Museum, but since we're here at Preston Mosque and we're in Ramadan, it feels very pertinent to ask you questions pertaining to the mosque itself. So yeah. what has your history been with this particular mosque? So, um, you know, this mosque, Preston Mosque, has a sentimental value to not only myself, but my family. My parents migrated uh, in the late 60s to Australia. And my father moved to, uh, from Carlton, where they originally migrated to, to Preston. So I was born and raised in Preston. And my father was close to the late Sheikh Fahmi Ali Man and has been on the journey and seen the mosque develop. And over that journey, I remember as a young child coming to Preston Mosque, praying our Jummah prayers. I used to come to the weekend Islamic school. And all the community festivities, the Eids, were all about Preston. And then fast forward, uh, you know, I, I spent the last seven years, I lived in Dubai for, for work. But um, growing up and seeing what the mosque meant to so many people and meeting so many influential and notable Australian Muslims who live now in, in different suburbs, whether in Roeville or uh, Hawthorne. Or... When you speak to them about Preston Mosque, they have a memory. They know this was the route. So for me, this attachment to this mosque has always been there. And, and as, as I grow older, um, the more, more attached I get because of the value it has given Victorian Muslims and the services um, from the first, you know, burial services offering in Victoria. It was the first large-scale mosque in Victoria. So alhamdulillah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and humbled uh, to be able to come on this journey in uh, reviving what Preston Mosque was about which is an enduring mission to serve the Muslim community of Victoria. So when you put it in that context, you're basically giving us the impression that there is a lot of history, Australian history attached to this particular masjid. Even from another context, I, I remember that, if I'm not mistaken, Preston Mosque is actually the first mosque that was visited by a prime minister. With, you know, th this mosque, if you look at you know, any newsworthy about Muslims, the picture of Preston Mosque comes, even if it has nothing to do with Preston Mosque, being one of the, you know, the first large-scale mosques um, in Victoria. It just recently, only a few months ago, three months ago, had the Governor-General of Victoria visit the mosque. It had the uh, Premier of Victoria during Open Mosque Day come and choose Preston Mosque. It is the grass root. And as Ahmed Imam, the son of the late Sheikh Fahmi Imam, described it, it was like the mothership you know, for, for Muslims uh, in Victoria. From what I understand, even um, I pretty much grew up in the southeastern suburbs, but even when I was growing up, there was a lot of buzz in this particular mosque. There was a lot of stuff happening in terms of classes, in terms of activities. And in terms of the personalities that frequented this particular masjid as well. So I think it's quite accurate to say that there was a lot of emphasis on this particular masjid as being pivotal towards what the community was doing and what was happening in the community. Yeah, look, the the beauty of the vision of the late Sheikh, Sheikh Fermi Imam and the, and the pioneers, it wasn't just about providing a masjid to pray. It was a center. He actually used to call it the center, where it provided services, so whether it's burial, whether it's educational. And 
what he did in the early days to really help build it wasn't just about I've created Preston Mosque, it's going to stay in Preston Mosque and I'm not going to help any. No, Preston Mosque and the organization of the Islamic Society of Victoria supported so many other masjids, so many other community groups um, to build their schools, their mosques, whether it's Halal Meets or, or any different organizations, the founding of the Board of Imams in Victoria. These were all created out of this office we sit in here in, in Preston Mosque. So it wasn't about just closing off and saying we have one. It was actually about supporting the Muslim services to grow right through Victoria. That's an amazing thing to hear because I, I lived in another state prior to coming back to Melbourne. I won't mention the state. But basically, uh, I remember situations whilst I was in that state where different masajid were unfortunately engaging in politics because, you know, one masjid was popping up in another location and there was this inner turmoil in terms of that masjid losing its uh, leadership position. And it doesn't seem to be the case at all with Preston Mosque in, in terms of supporting different activities, initiatives and other mosques as well. Yeah, look, the, um, the vision of the current president, Tarek Koda, has been one um, that's really been about reviving the original message of what and how this mosque was about. And it was the original message and mission revision was to provide Muslims of Victoria with the necessary Islamic services and to educate the wider community, the wider Australians of what Islam is. And for him to take back that original mission and then to come up with different programs and support networks and this initiative to, to build, what you would have seen over the last you know six months is a big revival of, of what that history was. So you're seeing new constitutions, new branding, new mission, new vision statements, and you're seeing the transparency coming out to the community and also supporting other organisations and communities to help deliver their message. It's not just about us doing everything. If there's another organisation doing sadaqah and helping the needy, etc., it's about us partnering and supporting them to continue. So really that leadership and you know adding the vice president like Mohammed and uh, the new committee, which is... You know, quite multicultural and um, you know, bring different necessary operational experience gives me great hope and great confidence that this new committee will take that vision and uh, continue to grow mm. the masjid. As I speak with you, I notice that you have some degree of passion. Obviously, the listeners can't actually see, but when you describe things, you, you've got a smile on your face. It, it seems as though you have a personal connection to everything. Now, where is this passion coming from? Um, that's a it's a it's a very good question. Look, I'm I'm very passionate about trying to give back. You know, I, I've been blessed, alhamdulillah, in, in, you know, being in this beautiful country of Australia, being educated. I've spent my life being, a, you know, uh, most of my corporate years as a banker. So I've been blessed, you know, with health, with wealth, and life is not just about, you know. Praying is very important. Fasting is very important, but it's also about helping our communities and our organisations. And that journey commenced for me when we founded the, you know, founding the Islamic Museum of Australia and the role the, the museum plays. And it continues, um, alhamdulillah, and I'll use every energy and, and passion I have to really help, you know, whoever I can. And, you know, this being in my, what we call my home ground, using the footy terms and, 
you know, I, I've never moved out of Preston. I live in Preston, I was born in Preston, raised in Preston. So it does have a sentimental value to me. One of the things that I'm personally fascinated by is uh, since you're doing all of this work with the community, sometimes, unfortunately, there are misunderstandings, there are politics at work, unfortunately. How do you deal with such things that work or get in front of the good work that you and others are trying to do? Look, what what's meant to be will be. That's Allah's qadr. For me, I try to work backwards, so in a good way. So I would... So when we started the museum, it wasn't about I was going to create a museum. Or when we started this journey with the with Preston Mosque, it wasn't about, you know, uh, we're going to build a new building. It was going back to say, okay, what is the why? Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? And for us with the museum originally, it was about how to create social cohesion and further um, support the multiculturalism that we thrive on here in Australia. Why is Islamophobia growing? And it all came down to a lack of education. When we look at the mosque in Preston, we went back to say, okay, what does the community in Victoria, the Islamic community, are looking for? Better services in, in burials, um, the Islamic burial practices, a place where youth can connect and come and feel in touch, not feel out of touch with, and provide the relevant programs around it. And one thing that came up as we reviewed this within the mosque was you needed the relevant infrastructure to deliver these services. Today's issues are very different to 10 years ago, to 20 years ago. Today we have a rise within the community of domestic violence. We have a need for enhanced education to young children through weekend school with proper facilities and classrooms. We need function rooms to host different talks and lectures without interrupting the prayer space. And as we've seen, unfortunately, with COVID, Now, there's different regulations that you need in terms of burial practices and services. So what that meant is we needed to enhance our infrastructure as well as deliver these programs. And that's why we embarked on this journey um, of fundraising uh, for the new build to improve, renovate and expand the services of the mosque. You mentioned some of the issues that we're currently facing at the moment, domestic violence, for instance, being one of them. What do you think our future should be, where should we be going as a community? What are the next 20 years like for us? So what should they be? Yeah. So look, when we decided to embark on these plans um, of what we should do, I wasn't thinking about just myself. I was thinking about my children and children's children, where there's language barriers, where being raised, born, you know, as an Australian, a Muslim, can they still be a Muslim Australian? Of course they can. Yeah, it's, it's the identity issue they're facing. The rise of domestic violence for our daughters, for our sons. You know, how can we dread? Where can they go? For me, a masjid or a centre is a hub, a safe place. A place that you can go to when you feel insecure and find the answers or someone to guide you when you're in there. So rather than creating services for, let's say, domestic violence or mental illnesses, we can partner up with the Department of Social Services and get a, a qualified person that can hire out our office, you know, can sit in the office that's provided free to provide these professional services to our community. These are the things in front of my mind that we needed to still present, which is the core of the mosque, a prayer space that's peace and tranquil. It then has the imam that you can ask questions and get answers for. It has women program where women feel safe to come and participate in the different programs. It connects with youth 
and it connects with men as well to further enhance the Islamic education. Do you think that you've fulfilled that objective of providing a tranquil place? I am very confident in the new plans that you probably would have seen online via www.isv.org.au slash fundraising. You can see the plans. I've been fortunate enough to travel to a lot of countries, you know, whether it be through my professional job where I was a, uh, as a corporate or whether it was through the museum to see a lot of beautiful spaces and beautiful Islamic organisations. You know, and one thing that you, you find is that tranquility and peace in where you pray was paramount in terms of openness, but simple. So what you see in our new plans, the ground floor has been completely gutted out and just opened completely for prayer space. Very open, beautiful carpets, open walls, and just a tranquil and soft place. So I'm, you know, we're we're human beings in the end. We're going to make mistakes. I'm not perfect. You know, the committee we put, I think we brought some of the best people on that subcommittee, you know, we have, you know, from the president, we have people like Muhammad Mohtadi from Specialized Fire that's experienced with this area. You've got Azamina Hussein, who's a partner at Morris Blackburn and provides a legal background. We've selected architects. We've chosen some of the best consultants um, that, you know, working with the mechanical services, etc. because the Muslim community deserve the best and we will give everything we can to bring the best people in that to provide the best infrastructure um, that the community deserves as possible with the resources we have. I think that's quite refreshing to hear the Muslim community deserves the best. Another thing which I'm actually quite curious about is managing between projects which are catered to the wider public, for example, the museum, it's not just for Muslims, it's for non-Muslims as well. But, you know, mosque spaces, generally speaking, they're for a Muslim audience with some non-Muslim projects here and there. How do you find it working between two very different projects? Yeah, look, you know, it's always interesting changing hats, um, you know, from but in the end, we all have one mission uh, and one vision. and And that's about you know, providing these services for Muslims, but also showcasing in a transparent way, a complete transparent way of what Islam is and what the truth is around Islam and making it a comfortable enough place for non-Muslims to also visit. So there will be tours within the mosque. You know, the museum, every community organisation plays a role and fulfils a section that needs to be out there for the umbrella, whether it's to provide services to Muslims or whether to provide this transparent window of Islam for non-Muslims to really come and understand because education is key. And when you educate, people don't fear it and feel comfortable. And then we can live side by side with our neighbours, whether they are Muslim, whether they're non-Muslims or people of other faith. So with regards to people of other faith, I understand there are a few, um, there's a mosque open day, for instance. How active has this particular community been with regards to mosque open days? Yes, we all participate, whether it's the museum or Preston Mosque. And, you know, obviously uh, due to COVID this year was delayed. But um, last year at Preston Mosque, you know, we at the first open day, you know, you had the premier of Victoria come down and it was a very busy place and visited majority because it coincided with the unfortunate um, situation in New Zealand with the massacre that happened there. But to see the love and care from non-Muslims that came out of their way to visit the mosque and lay down flowers to show that in the end we're human beings. It doesn't matter what faith, what background, what we're, we're all humans and our core needs are there and we value safety and security and comfort. 
So in terms of COVID-19, I'm just curious, how has it affected the inner workings of the museum? Yeah, look, COVID-19 unfortunately has impacted not just, you know, the, the museum. We've had to temporarily close. The mosques had to temporarily close. And it's really affected organizations from an income perspective. So I, you know, whoever's listening out there, support your local community organization during these tough times. Their income has basically gone to nothing and they're still trying to provide online services. So one thing you would have seen with Preston and, and the museums, we've switched and had to switch very quickly to virtual talks, podcasts, as, as we're doing today, streaming our lectures. You know, next week we're, we're doing a webinar and live Q&A on the new building um, within the mosque. You know, but this is also been a wonderful thing to help organizations transition to also be virtually active to reach people that can't make it within your infrastructure. You've alluded to something very important and that is uh, during this period of COVID-19 a lot of people are suffering uh, particularly community organizations because of you know lack of funding that's coming in from the community. What are your opinions regarding sustainability making these organizations sustainable in and of themselves? Look, I'm very passionate, being a banker by background, about trying to be financially sustainable without always fundraising. The reality is in the short term, you're reliant on, on fundraising when you're building infrastructure. However, when we put the model of the museum, for example, we did put a cafe, we put a bookshop, and we put you know, a, a small entry fee. And what that does is help cover the operational costs so we don't have to keep going to the community and try to be self-sufficient. We've taken that same view with, with the masjid as well. The masjid uh, will have a, a cafe and, and a bookshop as well in, uh, in, in the Preston Mosque. It has then other services, you know, where, where it invested, you know, s- small amounts of money in like, for example, you know, a property to get some income. So it's less reliant. But the reality of the matter is no matter how much we try to be self-sufficient, we are a community organisation in the end. And community organisations rely on communities to support them. So that's quite uh, challenging for a lot of these community organizations. I'm seeing a couple of them, they're suffering because of COVID-19, obviously, lack of funds, as you mentioned. Do you think that this is something that our community basically has to learn, you know, make ourselves more sustainable? You know, I can't talk about other community organizations, but yes, putting, having, I think, you know, and this comes down to your board and your committee. And I, I, I believe it's not just about putting, I know someone putting him on or whatever it is. I think it's about following your skill sets that are required. Today's regulations, you need good governance. So you look for a lawyer or look for someone within the, to sit on your board. You need good financials. You know, you need to manage your P&L. You know, there's a lot of now stimulus packages off, offered by the government and how you apply for these, getting your PAYG back and um, your BAS statements and different grants out there. So I think it's very, very important that the organisations do all they can first in trying to be as sustainable as they can. And as regulation and things change over time, it becomes more prudent that these organisations need to develop these necessary skills on their committees. And then, obviously, the shortfall, then you can go out to the to the community and raise whatever you can raise. You know, alhamdulillah, we, you know, Islam teaches generosity and, uh, you know, it, it's core about giving. And if the Muslim can give, it's fantastic. This is ajr, this is something that goes, not only do they benefit from this life, but also more in the next. You know, that's if they can. Um, you know, we're, we're a young community. The Muslim migration is, is still very young. And yes, you know, we've had a lot of refugees, etc. So we're trying not to put as much strain as we can. When having you on, it would be somewhat disingenuous for me to not even ask you any questions about the Islamic Museum. So 
what is currently going on with regards to the Islamic Museum and how are they going to be conducting their day-to-day services in the midst of this pandemic? Yes, so we, um, as we closed uh, our doors down temporarily for the safety of the community um, and the school groups that come, we've automatically switched um, virtually. So we're doing, um, so our educational department is still doing a lot of work with schools, offering webinars and talks on Islam 101, um, Islamic contribution to civilization, and that's really now uh, ticked back up with the home learning. We have a educational portal that's linked to the national school curriculum that was offered to teachers. What we've done now is opened it free for all parents and teachers to access this portal. So whether your your son or daughter's in grade four that studies, that has to study a um, an empire, rather than always doing what we're taught here, the Roman Empire or whatever it is, now they've got information and resources to talk about the Ottoman Empire. So we've opened that free. We've also uh, continued to support you know, Muslim artists, we, we just launched the Australian Muslim Artists for this year. We do it every year with a prize money of $15,000 in partnership with La Trobe University. We launched our, we continued our, ex, our Ramadan exhibition virtually now. So you can go online and uh, we've actually provided free for a month um, to do a virtual tour of the whole museum free to all the audience, and it has the Ramadan exhibition in there. So what's happened is we've seen this is a time now to to connect and provide and bring the museum into people's homes. So people can't go to the museum, basically you're bringing it to them. That's it. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we're all not impacted. Obviously, your income now is is virtually zero because you relied on school groups, you relied on this stuff. So, you know, organisations will, you know, tap and ask for for support, you know, when they need it to um, to support them. But, you know, alhamdulillah, we're, we're in a bit more of a, you know, we're blessed to be in a bit more better position. So what we can do is continue to employ our members. They're still on JobKeeper, which was provided by the government. So we can continue to deliver the Islamic education, not only to schools and children and people, but also to everyone's homes mm-hmm. as well. I think the benefit of having an Islamic museum cannot be underestimated. When I was at school age and uh, we used to have class trips to the Jewish museum, I always used to wonder, why don't we have an Islamic museum? And alhamdulillah, thankfully we do. You know, there, there is a lot that can be said with regards to shaping our identity when we have an Islamic museum. Can you comment something related to that, you know, how it can possibly shape an identity? You know, before I started the museum, I read a, a quote um, that said, Educating a child is like engraving a stone. When you're a child and you see things, you learn things, you're like a sponge, you're sucking the information. So why we did the museum? So, you know, we look at, for example, there's a section in the Islamic faith, which is the role of women in Islam. And when you explain the hijab and the role of the hijab and how early religions as well, whether it was Christianity, used that hijab, etc. For a Muslim person, they get to understand it and know the importance of it. For a non-Muslim, they also get to see that this is not about a terrorist wearing a hijab or something or look at them, they're trying to be different. It actually explains the role. So then later on in life, as they grow, when they get someone asks them, say, oh, look at this person, at least they can be an ambassador to say, no, 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 don't worry about that. You know, this is just an act of worship. It's a way of showing that God's there. It's a way of, you know, um, being modest in your, in your dress code. It is no different. You know, this is how Christianity used to view their statues in the churches of Mother Mary. So I totally uh, agree with you that uh, at least now we have an option um, for Muslims. But the real role, majority of our visitors, 70%, 80% of our visitors are non-Muslims. 
independent schools, different religious organisations. They come down because they also get to see this transparent window of what Islam is and get to feel it and understand it. We had a university that conducted a research piece and they wanted to know whether we can achieve our mission and vision of transforming hearts and minds about Islam for people that didn't like Islam before entering the museum. And it was amazing, the, the results, and it's on our, our website, this was done a few years ago, was the transformation was incredible. And what that proved to me was that all that's missing is just a lack of education. Basically indicates to us that we need to make more of an effort explaining Islam and clarifying it to the people in a manner that's friendly and appropriate as well. And, and it starts with us individually. You know, we are, whether it's fortunate or not fortunate, we are representations of Islam. And it's how we conduct ourselves in front of people. That's the best form of that. I can hear the adhan now basically where we are, so I think that's a good indication that we might need to wrap up. But one of the things I am curious about is uh, what are the upcoming exhibits or projects with the Islamic Museum? We've got Muslim Voices, um, which is all the voices of Muslims in Victoria. We, we were doing an exhibition on that, which got held due to COVID, but you know that continues. We've got, uh, as I said, the Australian Muslim Artist Competition, and normally we put up the works um, as an exhibition. You're seeing our Instagram Live, where Nazim Hussain is interviewing a number of notable Muslims Muslims and non-Muslims um, and bringing the information out there. We've been trying to be very active with these uh, live programs. And then the same thing with uh, Preston Mosque. You're seeing almost daily as you come, you know, webinars and talks, whether it's about COVID and Islam or whether it's about Islamic lectures and Sheikh Zaid. I, I, I think there's, you know, between all organisations, there's such a realm of resources and information, which is so beautiful to see how organisations are adapting to these changes. Once these uh, restrictions are lifted... Are there any specific projects you have in mind for Preston Moss? So right now, all my uh, effort for Preston Moss is going towards the, the new build, you know, uh, and the, the fundraising campaign around that and bringing out the information about what it is and how it is um, and what we're doing here. Uh, so that's really what we've been focusing on, the new classrooms, the function room, the offices to host these external services, you know, and the renovations uh, and the renovation plans. I think it takes a certain degree of patience in terms of moving ahead with these sorts of projects and as well as dealing with the community itself. So I think the listeners basically, they should be thankful that we have people in our community working towards such goals for the benefit of the community itself. Ah, thank you. Look, we're... we're you know, I myself is, you know, thankful, firstly, all to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Almighty, to give me the responsibility to lead such, you know, prestigious uh, projects. That means a lot. And inshallah, you know, my aim and motivation is to be rewarded in the next life for it, nothing else. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm thankful for you to spend some time with us talking about these projects. No, thank you very much for having me.